Mark Zuckerberg told The New Yorker the news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. So listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, the podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you get a rundown of what happened in the world of tech with all the headlines, context, commentaries, and tweets from all the biggest players. New episodes every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. Search your favorite podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Zenni offers thousands of affordable eyewear styles, starting at just $6.95. No ridiculous markups, no hassles, just quality, affordable eyewear delivered right to you. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. Good evening. Breaking news tonight involving the advisor who'd be at the president's elbow if it ever comes down to pushing the button. The current one, a three-star general, is leaving. His replacement, a former U.N. ambassador and now a TV pundit who's been called a hardliner, a hawk, and by some, even a loose cannon. Also tonight, my exclusive conversation with former Playboy model Karen McDougal about the 10-month-long intimate relationship she says she had with Donald Trump, a relationship that began just a few months after Melania Trump gave birth. If Melania Trump was watching this, what would you want her to know? It's mm. a tough one. Um, or say to her? Yeah, what can you say except, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, I wouldn't want it done to me. I'm sorry. More with Karen Dougal tonight. That's ahead. First, the departure of National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster and the naming of John Bolton as his successor, something as recently as last week the White House said was simply not happening. Sarah, you took to Twitter last night to ensure the public that McMaster's job was safe. Uh, but has the president spoken directly to either McMaster, Carson, Shulkin to tell them that their jobs are in fact safe? Uh, I, again, like I said last night, and I'll echo it again, I spoke directly to the president last night. Uh, he asked me to, to pass that message along to General McMaster. Well, that was the old message. The new message is more like thanks and good luck. The latest now from CNN Chef Selene, who is at the White House. So, Sir Sanders, that was just a week ago. What happened? Well, Anderson, a lot happens in six days, and one of the major things that happened here was indeed that leak earlier this week about the president's phone call with Vladimir Putin. You know, uh, his national security advisors giving him a message, do not congratulate President Putin. The president did congratulate him. That is one of the things that really uh, set this into motion much faster, it appears, than it already was going. But the reality is this has been in the works for weeks. We have been reporting that uh, the president has uh, sort of fallen out a bit with H.R. McMaster, and they were simply looking for a time to do it. But at the moment of that uh, press briefing last Friday, Anderson, we talked to senior advisors throughout the White House on that day and all this week, and no one knew this was coming. Few people knew it was coming, at least. John Bolton didn't know it was coming either. He said in an interview on Fox News this evening, he didn't know it was going to be announced this afternoon. So you get the sense the president trying to uh, speed this up to, you know, perhaps interrupt the other programming of the evening. But it is clear here the president had lost uh, support of H.R. McMaster and decided to make that decision after John Bolton met with him for about an hour in the Oval Office this afternoon, Anderson. And I understand that John Bolton made the president a promise. What was that? 
He apparently did make the president a promise in a series of conversations. He's been over here to the White House several times over the last uh, weeks and indeed uh, months talking with the president. The president, of course, watches him on Fox News. He watches his commentary. And our uh, Caitlin Collins is reporting this evening that uh, John Bolton made the president a promise to not start any wars. Perhaps tongue-in-cheek there, but certainly a point as it comes to um, um, his hardline views, certainly much different. Sanderson, what we're seeing here is a reshaping of the Trump presidency, really week by week by week, putting in hardliners, people who agree with the president. Yes, man, the question is here, where does this leave James Mattis, the defense secretary, of course, now odd man out. Uh, he's meeting with the president and other cabinet secretaries here tomorrow. Anderson, that will be a very interesting meeting. Yeah, Jeff Zelenik, thanks very much. I want to bring sure. in two CNN political analysts, Maggie Hitman, White House correspondent, of course, for The New York Times, also David Gergen, advisor to presidents in both parties, dating back to the Nixon administration. I mean, was this departure, Maggie, as amicable as, as you know, and sort of as mutual as the White House is saying? I mean, it, to the extent that you can sort of be... Um ritually humiliated week after week with stories leaking out about the president being unhappy with you, I suppose it's about as amicable as that gets. Um, I, I will say that things between, things between President Trump and um, H.R. McMaster were never good. They never had a great relationship. They didn't have a good rapport. The president didn't like H.R. McMaster's briefing style. Um, the president likes to sort of mix up these conversations when they're actual briefings with his shtick, and H.R. McMaster did not respond well to that, uh, typically speaking. But John Kelly really didn't like H.R. McMaster, and that, uh, I'm told by several people, accelerated this time frame. Do you know why he didn't like him? I think there are a variety of reasons. Some of it is, you know, four-star versus three-star in terms of their, their um, military ranking. Um, some of it is, I think, they just disagreed on certain policy aspects. I think stylistically they didn't get along. Um, but H.R. McMaster was generally the odd man out in this sea of military figures with whom um, the president has surrounded himself. Uh, John Kelly did not want John Bolton. I mean, this is not a pick that the chief of staff wanted. Knowing this president and how he makes decisions, as you do, as I do, you can envision a world where, yes, maybe it was to knock off your interview um, uh, with Karen McDougal later tonight. Certainly a possibility. Do you really? You also, actually think that? I think it's. I think anything is possible with him. I also think there's a possibility that because John Bolton resisted it, he decided to do it for that reason uh, and made you know the latest in a series of impulse purchases on staff and on policy. Hmm. David Gergen, what do you make of the choice? Well, two things. First of all, I, 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 once again, they sort of ushered somebody out the door in the least gracious way you could do it. it, it many of the friends of H.R. McMaster said the one thing he wanted out of this was a fourth star, that he wanted to command, he wanted to go back out in the field, and he was prepared to do that and come in and serve his country. Doing He didn't particularly want this job, but he was prepared to do it. Yeah, And so I, I just think it's just so unfair to these people when they come in and sacrifice. And one thing, to hear that Mattis is also now talking is really scary because Bolton represents a very big swing to the right in terms of the center of gravity among his advisors. If you think, think three countries, uh, Iraq, North Korea, and Iran, on all three, he has been very hardline. He was a big advocate for going into Iraq early on, back in the Bush administration. Uh, he has, on the question of North Korea, he thinks he, he said publicly he thinks these talks, these upcoming talks, will fail. He has said he's talked about a fallback position that may lead to war. Uh, and on Iran, where that big decision is coming up by this president, in just a few weeks, he's going to have Bolton there saying, this is a horrible deal. We ought to get out of it. On North Korea in particular, though, you reminded me of something I've been told a few times today 
yesterday about uh, John Bolton apparently was not uh, contacted until yesterday um, and asked to come to the White House today. Mm. And the big question was, can you, John Bolton is a pretty strong personality, can you uh, essentially recognize that you have to um, put your own positions aside and the president's uh, you know, thoughts or policy? Um, and I think Bolton had to make clear that he could do that, that he could also read the nuances of the president and think ahead of time, which is not something that I think McMaster found uh, easy to do. My understanding is that Bolton was able to communicate that. So on North Korea, which we know this president has prided himself on saying he thinks he can get this deal while almost no one else thinks he can. Um, I think you will see Bolton adhere more to what Trump wants, but it is definitely true the president is surrounding himself. I think it isn't just hardliners. I mean, the president is surrounding himself with people who are going to acquiesce to him, mm -hmm. which yes. is just not what he yep. had yep. for most of the last uh, year. You had Gary Cohn, who was sort of a moderating right. influence. You had um, a, a bunch of other people. H.R. McMaster certainly was one. Um, and he is, he is one by one replacing them with people who are going to make things less hard for him. And, and I think that that is the significance. And that's by design. That's I, not an accident. That's by his design. Yeah, look, he, he, he and, I, and I wrote about this the other day, he began, whether he would ever acknowledge it or not, he had a lot of anxiety about heading into this job. He knew it was something you cannot play act. He knew nothing about it. He had not thought about it at all. Um, he needed other people for a long time because he couldn't figure things out. He now thinks, and I'm not saying he's right, but what he thinks is he understands this. He, one one um, current White House advisor described it to me as Trump is starting to view the White House more as he did the Trump org yeah. in terms of his own comfort level with it. And that's what's happening. Uh, it's, it's been ever since Maggie brought that great story in the York Times about the emboldened Trump. That was mm -hmm. about two weeks ago. It was three days ago. It just it feels three like days? seven it, years it, ago. Yeah. But it's been true. It, it really has captured exactly where he is. And that is, he's thrown off the training wheels and essentially says, I can do this on my own. But he's surrounding himself in the meantime with hardliners. The idea that Bolton is going to be an in, you know, is, is simply going to present him with the views of everybody else. And that he and won't, not, quote, start any wars. Uh, yeah, he won't start wars. He is going to have strong views himself. You know, he's very smart. John uh, Bolton is very smart fellow. And he's principled. He's a very principled hardliner. But his views on almost every case are very far to the right of the mainstream in American foreign policy community. It, it is interesting to think that this is not a job that requires confirmation uh, right. from, the, from the Senate. Uh, and in fact, John Bolton became the U.N. ambassador without actually having to go through confirmation. I think it was a recess appointment. Uh, I'm not sure if you're right about that, but I'll take your word for yeah. it. Um, the, but it is certainly true that this is this is somebody who would have challenges going through confirmation. We're already seeing Mike Pompeo, um, in terms of moving from the CIA, is going to have um, uh, is going to have confirmation issues. I think the president is seeking to get around that as much as possible. I think the one other thing that shows up that's distinctive about these appointments in recent days is not only they're going to further hard line, but in every case is somebody who has made a name for himself on television right. as a commentator. Absolutely true. And, you know, we just had, you know, CNN just had on with uh, Aaron tonight, you know, uh, Navarro right. uh, coming in. You're going to see a lot more of them on television, and that's what he wants. This is a TV-oriented president. It is, and it's also a president who believes that on TV no one was, no one has really defended him yeah. that strongly, save for a couple of people. Kellyanne Conway remains one of his favorites. There are a couple of other people, but he generally believes that people are not on TV talking the way he wants them talking about his administration, and that is a lot of why you are seeing it this way. And he certainly watches, I mean, as your reporting has shown, I mean, he certainly watches and almost... But he says he doesn't. Right, right. he says he doesn't, but, I mean, gets to know right. these people, right. John Bolton, through television. Exactly. Cudlow, I think he actually knew um, personally. I think he had a different relationship with him. I think that one's a little different. Um, Bolton, it's funny, though, to your point about sort of the, the uh, physical aspect of this. 
most of what the president talked about about John Bolton during the transition when he chose not to give him this job in the first place and not to give him secretary of state and not to give him a host of other jobs uh, was his mustache. I mean, that was the, the, the singular focus of derision. And so and it, far more than the policies. And that tells you a lot about how this right. president looks at these things. Coming right off the trade deals and the announcements and how it's rattled the markets, this is going to send a signal to a lot of countries overseas of greater uncertainty right. in American yeah. foreign right. policy. Uh, Maggie Haberman, uh, David Gergen, thanks. Coming up next, my in-depth conversation with former Playboy model Karen McDougal. I spoke to her today for more than an hour. She talked about the Donald Trump she says she came to know over a 10-month love affair. The affair, she says, they had spanned that long. The money, she says, that he offered her after their first time together. And the emotional impact of meeting his wife and mother of his then-infant son. So was that the first time you met Melania? It is. And honestly, if you can tell, I tried to keep my distance. I I tried to go as far away as I could. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Our friends at Zenni Optical offer a huge variety of high-quality, stylish frames and state-of-the-art optics starting at just $6.95. You can get multiple frames with this great pricing for less than one pair elsewhere. Start building your eyewear wardrobe from the comfort of your own home at Zenni.com. With the latest trends in eyewear, available in hundreds of frame styles and materials, there isn't a better way to change it up for every season. Plus, Zenni offers prescription sunglasses at incredible prices. Visit Zenny today at zenny.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN. Right now, only on 360, conversation with former Playboy model Karen McDougal about the 10-month-long relationship she says she had with Donald Trump, a relationship she says that began in the summer of 2006. McDougal is suing to void an agreement she signed shortly before the 2016 election with the company that owns the National Enquirer, which bought the rights to her story. Her lawsuit says the magazine bought her story, in fact, to kill it, thereby protecting the candidacy of Donald Trump. It's a story that's not been told in full on camera until tonight. And as you know, Karen McDougal is just one of three women speaking out just this week about the Donald Trump they say they knew. If we could just start at the beginning, how did you meet Donald Trump? I met Donald when they were filming The Celebrity Apprentice at the Playboy Mansion. They were filming there, and I was hired as one of the playmates to work at the pool party scene. It was quite fun, actually. And uh, you, we, you'd, you'd work for Playboy for some time. Yes, I. After becoming playmate of the year, I was uh, required to work so many events with Playboy, and that was one of the events that I thought would be fun. And I worked it, and there were a lot of women there, and we just all had a great time, and that's where we met. How did you actually meet? You know, he said hello, like he would to anybody. And then throughout the night, it was kind of obvious that there was an attraction from his part to me. And I kind of just blew it off. Um, You could see him looking at you. Oh, I could see it. And the Playboy bunny, she's like the house mom is what we call her. She actually made a comment like, wow, this guy's really into you. And that's kind of when I started like paying attention. And he he was. And I, I kind of smiled at it, thought it was kind of cute and funny, and then at the end of the night, you know, after striking up many conversations, uh, we, we exchanged phone, uh, he actually asked me to write his phone, my phone number down for, for him to Keith. Did you, did you, you wanted to see him again? I thought it would be nice to communicate with him and talk to him. I actually, at that point, didn't consider uh, dating or going out with him, but I did think he's an interesting person, he's brilliant, and I like smart minds, and I think that I was interested in the communication for sure. So when was the next communication? 
I believe we talked right away on the phone, and I think we talked for about a week on the phone before his next visit to L.A., and that was his birthday, which I think is June 12th. Would he, would he call you? He would call me. I would call him, vice versa. So you had his phone number? I have many of his phone numbers, yes. Do you have his direct number for him, or did you have to go through somebody else? I have his direct phone number. I have quite a few of the direct phone numbers. I also had his uh, bodyguard case phone number. I had his personal secretary's phone number. That's uh, Rhonda? Uh, no, at the time it was Twee. I don't know her last name, but I just know her by Twee. But I have all these phone numbers, so if I couldn't reach them on one, depending on where he's going to be, I would call the other. When he called, did his number show up on the phone? No, it did not. It would show up as what? Gosh, it's been so long, but I think it just showed up as a 212. That's mm-hmm. it, just 212. Like a block number or a correct. N- no caller ID. Right, correct. And, and what were the conversations like? The conversations were like any other conversation you have with a, like a nice person. We got along great. We had respect for each other. We had fun. We were funny together. We had a good time. Um, we would talk about anything and everything from what kind of food do you like to how's your family. He asked me how my family was to politics to anything, like just normal everyday life conversations. When did you actually decide to see him again? Before you mean after the June twelfth? Uh, yeah, after the, after the initial meeting okay. and after the the phone con- conversations. After our first meeting on June twelfth, I decided to see him again. Um, actually, that night I didn't think I was going to see him again because I was a little bit put off. But wait, I'm sorry. Was the June twelfth? Was that the the the, part, the apprentice event? No, that was our first quote unquote date. Okay, so yeah. I'm sorry. So tell me about your first date. Our first date, I was told we were going to go to the Beverly Hills Hotel for dinner. So he had told me that Keith, his bodyguard, was going to pick me up at a certain time, and he did. And then we were driving over to the Beverly Hills Hotel, and Keith drove around to the back, and he said, we have to get out here because we don't want to walk through the hotel. And at that minute, I'm like thinking to myself, are we going to a room? Because I thought we were having dinner at the Beverly Hills Hotel. In the actual restaurant. Right. Well, we did have dinner at the Beverly Hills Hotel, but in his bungalow instead. Uh, We had dinner there for a few hours. Uh, We talked for a few hours. We had a great time. We were getting to know each other. Um, We were talking about his birthday. And then as as the night ended, we we were intimate. When you got to the Beverly Hills Hotel and and Keith said, we're not going to go through the lobby, we're going to go, was it to a to a, a room at the Beverly Hills Hotel or a, a, a suite or? It was a bungalow in back. A bungalow. Uh, it's the one he said he always stayed at. And in fact, every time that I met him there, it was the same exact bungalow. And uh, he, he's called it the nicest bungalow they had. So I guess that's why he chose that one. But um, that's, yeah, that's where we went every time. Were you concerned when you realized you're not going to go out to dinner, you're actually going to be eating in the bungalow? I think that first night I was concerned because I didn't, I wasn't expecting to go to a hotel room or a bungalow, whatever you want to call it. I actually thought we were going to dinner, so I was a bit concerned. And I think at that moment is when I realized maybe something else is going on. You know, I'm a smart girl. I, I probably could have figured it out, but I really wasn't thinking. I think I was so nervous to actually meet with him in general that it kind of just didn't even, you know, think. It wasn't my thought process at that moment. I was just too nervous to actually meet him. So Were you attracted to him? I was attracted to him, yeah. He's, he's a... Nice looking man, and you know, I liked his charisma. I think I love, you know, good, great posture. He's got great posture, and he was nice. So the, the sex was consensual, just it was to be consensual, clear. Yes. And what happened afterward? After that night? 
you said it you sort of ended on a, a strange note. So <clears throat> what, what happened after you had been intimate? Well, after we had been intimate, he, he tried to pay me. And I actually didn't know how to take that. Did he actually try to hand you money? He did. Mm-hmm. He did. And I said, I mean, I just had this look of, I don't know, just, I don't even know how to describe it. The look in my face must have been so sad because... I had never been offered money like that before, number one. But number two, I thought, does he think that I'm in this for money or why I'm here tonight? Or is this a normal thing? I didn't know. But I looked at him and I said, that's not me. I'm not that kind of girl. And he said, oh, and he said, you're really special. And I was like, thank you. So I left. I actually got into the car uh, for Keith to take me home. And I started crying. I was really sad. And it really hurt me. But I went back. Hurt you that he saw you in that way? Yes. It hurt me that he saw me in that light. And he obviously assumed that that's the kind of girl I was. Mm. Maybe because I was a playmate. I don't know. But Even though you'd had a night of conversation and days of conversation, it hurt you that it boiled down in the end to that? It did hurt me. It did hurt me. I was crying in the backseat of the car. Like I said, I got home and into my apartment, and I, I, I cried for a lot. I felt really terrible about myself let alone what he felt, but I felt terrible about myself. And, you know, I got over it, but it did did hurt. Did you think you would see him again? I didn't. I didn't think I'd see him again, but then when he called, you know, I was at a bad place in life. I just came out of a bad relationship where I never felt good enough in my relationship. And not that that's any excuse, it's not. But I think I was so down on myself that when he called, and he's so sweet, like what everyone sees on TV... I didn't see in that man because that man was very sweet, very respectful, very loving, very kind and caring. Like that's the man I saw. He, he's very, he can be very charming in person. He's very charming. He's very sweet. His personality to me was, wow. Like I loved it. It was great. When did, when was the next time you saw him? Um, <laughs> you know, I'd have to look back at my, my I took a journal back in the day. Um, and not just for anything in particular, but I, to this day, I still write down everything I do during the day. That's what I do. So if I looked at that, I could find out, but I think it was in that same couple of days within a week because he was in town. When he came to L.A., he was usually there between three, six, seven, between three, five, six, seven days, and you, I usually saw him. You gave us the, the journal that you kept. You would write down on days you saw him, you, would, you, do, you wouldn't write out his full name. No, I either call them T or DT because if anyone found this, I wouldn't want to expose myself or expose him. So there's a number of, of days here, uh, looks like dozens over the course of time, with a small little DT, and sometimes they're hard to see. I purposely kind of chicken scratched a lot on there because I know what I'm writing, and like I said, to this day I still do that with my notes and where, I've, where I'm at, who I talk to, whatever. Um, I did, I did write that down. So did I see him quite a few times, quite a bit? Absolutely. We spent a lot of time together. And did you tell friends about it at the time? I did. I told a few friends. I told my sister. I actually told my mother that I knew him, and we talked on a regular basis, but I told her that we were just friends, and she kind of scolded me a little bit, like, I hope it's only friends because you know he's married. And I'm like, yes, I understand. Um, my sister actually heard him on the phone. She was with me one time, and... She, you know, I couldn't hold the phone because I was busy, so she put him on speaker and we were just talking. I mean, I didn't care. It's like she knew anyway. So when you have a relationship with somebody, you don't hide it, right? If there's feelings, you don't hide that relationship. Did he ever ask you to hide it? No, he didn't. 
Never. So, so there was never no. a conversation of don't never. tell Never. In fact, I think once he asked, um, does your sister know? And I said, yeah, she knows. He's like, aw. So he, he wasn't afraid to hide it at all. And you knew he was married. I did. Did he bring up his wife? Did you bring it up? No, I, I never brought up his wife. He did once, and that's the only time I can remember when he said she was an intelligent woman. She knew, like, I don't know, four or five languages. But other than that, he never talked about his wife, and I never brought her up. I, obviously, there's a reason I don't bring her up, because I felt guilty about it. So I, after never seeing her until the one occasion, I never correlated the two, really. I just kind of out of sight, out of mind. When you met, it was 2006. Correct. Was this shortly after uh, his son had been born? Yeah, it was. Would he, would he talk about his child, his son? No. The only thing he said about his son was, um, isn't the name Baron a nice name? And I said, yeah, it is. And I said, how did you choose that name? And he told me. And that's it. There's no conversation. As you enter a relationship, obviously in any relationship, you start to think about where this is going to go and how you feel. And how did you view it? How did you view the relationship? You know, going through it, when I look back where I was back then, I know it's wrong. Like, I'm really sorry for that. I, I know it's a wrong thing to do. But back in those days, Okay. Back in that day, I was I was a different girl. I you know I had fun. I was in the Playboy scene. Um, I was just enjoying life as much as I could. And you know when I got with him, I actually you know there was a there was a real relationship there. There was real there were real feelings between the two of us, not just myself, not just him. There was a real relationship there, and I kind of out of sight, out of mind with everything else. And, you know, in, deep inside, I did have a lot of guilt, but I, I still continued. You believe, though, that he had real feelings for you? Of course he did. Mm-hmm. I know he did. He would say that? He did. Were you in love with him? I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you think he was in love with you? He was, yeah. Did Donald Trump ever say to you that he loved you? All the time. He always told me he loved me. Yeah, of course. Did he have any nicknames for you? <laughs> he would call me Baby, or he'd call me Beautiful Karen. Would you always see him just in Los Angeles? No. No, I wouldn't. Um, I actually went to a golf tournament with him in uh, Lake Tahoe. I went to his golf course in, in California, I went to his, his golf course home in New Jersey. I went to his home in New York. And I'm trying to think where else. Um, I, I can't recall right now, yeah. When you say you would arrange to, to go someplace, how would it be arranged? I would pay for the flight. I would book it myself. I would book the hotel room if I wasn't staying with him. Usually I stayed with him, but there's been a couple times where I didn't. And then he would reimburse me. So if, I, if the flight was, I don't know, let's just throw out a number. If the flight was $500, he'd give me $500 and say, here's, you know, take care of the, the flight and things like that. So Why would he have you book all the, the travel and, and the hotel rooms? Well, there's no paper trail. And is it, did you realize that at the time? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. 
Because he was concerned about it being revealed at some point and there being a paper trail. All I was told is there's no paper trail. I can't say what his reasons were, but I, I would assume that's the case. Yes, yes. And Keith Schiller, was he very much involved in this, picking you up, sending messages back and forth, things like that? I did have a lot of correspondences with Keith. Um, yes, and I got to know Keith pretty well. Like Keith would always pick me up, drop me off, take me to and from, whether it's an event, whether it's the Beverly Hills Hotel or wherever we're going. Um, Keith was always involved. Keith, Keith is a nice man. Yeah, I got to know him. He's funny. You went to the. You said you went to a uh, a golf tournament in Tahoe. I did. There are other uh, women now who have come forward saying that they uh, also uh, had met with him uh, and had sex with him uh, at, at that event. Were you aware of any other women? No, I was not. I mean, I was with them a lot, so I didn't see anything. But could he have stayed a day longer than me? Sure. Did you think? that this relationship was going to last for a long time? Did you have it? I did. You did? Yeah. I, I felt it was getting much stronger. Um, you know, there were no gifts ever but a Christmas gift. Um, I got him a gift, and then he told me the gift he got me was an apartment in New York, but it's being remodeled right now. And I never saw the apartment because I ended up breaking up or ending the relationship, but uh, that was supposedly my gift. I don't know. You went to his actual apartment in Trump Tower. I did. I didn't know I was going there. Um, I actually had a hotel room in the city at that time, well, for this trip. What was it like going to Trump Tower? I didn't know I was at Trump Tower. We went into the back entrance, so I had no idea where we were actually going. The back entrance, as you know, probably is more discreet. It's like a little nothing hallway versus like when you walk into the grand right. right so we went to the back entrance and then at that time i realized where we're going and i said aren't you afraid to bring me here he's like they won't say anything and i'm like okay so we went upstairs and we looked around and to his office or to his apartment his apartment mm-hmm. he showed me around um what did you think of the apartment it's very gold. <laughs> no, actually, it's actually quite pretty. The views are amazing. It's a beautiful apartment. Uh, they have great taste. And he showed you around the apartment? He did. Did he reference Melania at that point? Her answer to that and her first encounter with the future first lady when we continue. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com CNN. Before the break, you heard former Playboy model Karen McDougal describe how she says she and Donald Trump met, the sweetness she says she saw in him, and her reaction to what she says was an offer of money after their first intimate encounter. Before we go any further, we should note that then-White House Communications uh, Director Hope Hicks called Ms. McDougal's allegations of an affair, quote, totally untrue. But Ms. McDougal stands by her story, as you see, and as we continue to talk today, she told me about her account of another emotionally jarring aspect of any affair with a married man, meeting his wife and his family. Here's part two of our exclusive conversation. What did he say? Did he reference Melania at that point? He did. We passed a room, and he said, this is Melania's room. She likes to have her alone time or to get a way to read or something like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's when I kind of thought maybe... Maybe they're having issues. I didn't ask. It's not my business at that point. How did you feel being in his apartment? Guilty. Very guilty. guilty. Mm -hmm. Why guilty? I kind of didn't. I couldn't wait to get out of the apartment, actually. I think doing something 
but then when you're doing something, well, doing something wrong is bad enough. But when you're doing something wrong and you're in the middle of somebody else's home or bed or whatever, that just puts a little stab in your hearts. And I, I just couldn't wait to get out of the apartment. I wanted to go back to my hotel room. It, it made his other life more real. It, I was just going to say it made it more real to me. Yes, made it more real. Did you see Baron there? No, I never saw Baron. So where's this picture from? That picture is from the Apprentice release party that they had at the Playboy Mansion. So they filmed it uh, like a month beforehand, which is where I met him. And then they had the release party when the Apprentice actually aired. So that's when that one was. So this is a picture with Ivanka Trump, Melania Trump, um, several of your colleagues, and and yourself. Correct. Mm -hmm. Did... um, So was that the first time you met Melania? It is. And honestly, if you can tell, I tried to keep my distance. I I tried to go as far away as I could just because I felt guilty. Do you think she knew? You know, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Um, You know, it was told to me that they were arguing that night, and I said, why? And somebody had said, probably because of you. But I don't know if that's a fact or not, so don't quote me on that one. The, there, there's another picture with, um, I think it's you with, with Eric Trump. Mm-hmm. Do you know where that, where that is from? I believe that's from the Trump vodka release party that he had, which was within a couple of days of that other party. Did, did it feel strange to meet his son, Eric? It did, but he was such a friendly guy. Like, again, when you're doing something wrong, you try and push everything out of the way and make it as right as you can in your mind. So I met, you know, all his kids, except for Baron, of course, and I just tried to shake it. But now it gets to me, but then it didn't. Did he ever compare you to any of his kids? You know, he... He's very proud of um, Ivanka, as he should be. I mean, she's a brilliant woman. She's beautiful. She's, you know, that's his daughter, and he should be proud of her. Um, He said I was beautiful like her, and, you know, you're a smart girl. And there wasn't a lot of comparing, but there was some, yeah. I heard a lot about her. (laughs) Yeah. Did that strike you as odd in any way, or...? You know, I know a lot of people think it's odd. I, you know, there's been some comments I've heard in the news he said about her, and I think those comments are wrong. But do I think it's strange that a father would love his daughter so much that he brags about her? No, I brag about my dog that much. I guess, you know, some people seeing this are not going to believe that you had a relationship. Uh, Hope Hicks has said categorically you did not have a relationship. Mm -hmm. There's no truth to this. When you heard that denial, what did you think? Well, I think somebody's lying, and I can tell you it's not me. Um, it's a little hurtful, but at the same time, I have to understand, like, if he were to have told Hips, uh, Hope that he didn't do it, I guess I understand because he's trying to protect his family, his image, things like that. But it was definitely a little like, wow, you're going to lie about that? But okay. When you've heard the stories of... You know, Stormy Daniels, who uh, has come forward, who said that she was at the Tahoe uh, Club as well, uh, and, and others who said that they were there. You didn't know about that, that at the time? No, I did not know. Does it, when, what did you think when you heard that? 
My first thought was, how could she have been with him when I was with him? The only time we weren't together on that particular trip was when I, well, he was on the golf course golfing. I didn't go, clearly. But I went to every event, every after thing, parties, daytime things. I was there. That's why I can't understand. Now, I do remember him saying, he came in one day and said, oh, there were a bunch of porn stars out there. They were wanting pictures of me. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. You know, it's cute, whatever. Um, I do remember him saying that, but I, I, I can't imagine when he found the time, except for maybe the day I left. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like, wow, how'd this happen? Did you think maybe this would lead to, to a marriage? Her answer to that just ahead. I also ask her about the extent of the sexual relationship she says they had, whether she was worried that this would all come out, and how the relationship ended, as well as this. If Melania Trump was watching this, what would you want her to know? I'm Andy Katz from March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways, shooting the ball, I think that's improved, and uh, just my playmaking ability as well. Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, more of my exclusive interview with former Playboy model Karen McDougal, who says for 10 months she had an affair with Donald Trump. She says it began in the summer of 2006. He was married, and Melania Trump had recently given birth to their son, Barron. McDougal says she felt guilty, but tried to put all of that aside. Did you think maybe this would lead to, to a marriage? Maybe. That, that's something, though, you liked him enough, that's something you would have... Like, Maybe. Did he, at the time, say, tell you that you were his only girlfriend? Or did that subject... You know, happen? we never really discussed that. Um, I knew he talked to ladies, but I didn't know there was anything else. I didn't know he was intimate with other ladies. But I guess if he's... It makes sense. If he's doing it behind his wife's back, why would he not do it behind my back? So... But at that time, in, in the frame of mind you were in then, you felt you were the only one. I thought I was person. the only one, yeah. I did. I thought I was the only one. Do you have any text messages, photographs, videos, anything that would dispute the, the Hope Hicks' statement that this never happened? Let me just say this. If you're in a loving relationship, do you try and collect evidence? That's not what you were thinking about. No, not at all. Not at all. In fact, the only thing that I have, really, is my journal that I keep. And like I said, I still do it to this day. It wasn't out to get anybody or, gosh, get anyone in trouble. But that, those are my notes. Those are from me. Um, no, when you care about somebody, you don't try and set them up in any way, shape, or form. That's my opinion. But I'm just wondering if... You know, some couples take a lot of pictures, put them on Instagram, or just take pictures for themselves. That wasn't something you two would do. Privately? Yeah. No, I, no. I didn't want anyone to find me in that compromising position, let alone him. But I, I guess at the time, I kind of thought more about myself. Like, I would never want anyone to see pictures of me like that. Mm -hmm. So, it just so happens that I'm very protective of my image, so I, I guess I protected him too without even knowing it. <laughs> Were you worried about people finding out? 
I was for I mean, a while. You talked to your sister and, and others, yeah. but friends. I was for a while. In fact, there were a couple instances where we were out in public, and he had his hand on my back, and I kept thinking, I'm looking around, there's a lot of people. I'm like, how do these people, like, what are they thinking? I don't know what they're thinking, but I thought it was going to get out. So I was scared every time we went to an event. I thought, this is going to get out. And I didn't want it to get out. But at the same time, I felt so honored to be with him in a sense that I'm like, I don't care who knows. But I didn't want that reputation either. So it was kind of like the saying, damned if you do, damned if you don't. You're saying you, you didn't want it to get out because? I mean... Look at the bad things people are saying about me now. I didn't want that then, and I didn't want it for him either. I mean, this is a hard question to ask, and but you you said you had text that first time. All these times you saw him, this was an ongoing sexual relationship. Absolutely. Can you estimate how many times you actually saw him? Again, when you're in a relationship, do you count how many times you have sex? No. However, I can tell you we saw each other. <clears throat> A minimum five times a month, um, up up to bigger numbers per month. So we over the course of how long? Over the, over the course of 2006 um, through I think I ended the relationship April 2007. So we were together 10 months before I chose to end it. So, so we saw each other quite frequently. So dozens of times you were together. Many dozens of times. And you yes. were intimate. Yes. Dozen, many dozens mm-hmm. of times. Um, this is another tough question, um, and again, you don't have to answer it, but it's been raised with other people. Um, did he ever use protection? <clears throat> no. No, he didn't. Was that something you thought about, or it didn't concern you at the time? You know, we talked about it um, right beforehand. He, he was starting to, and then he's like, I don't like these things, and, you know, we discuss things, do you, do you, blah, 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 and we were just honest with each other, and uh, we, didn't, we didn't use any. You, you talked about ending the relationship. Who ended the relationship? I did. Why? I was just feeling so guilty. It was just digging inside me. I think the excitement of it took over for a while, and I did care about the man. I, I'm not going to lie. So that made it hard to end it, but... I think I just started feeling so bad about myself. Like, how could I do this to A, myself, but to B, to a family? Whether they get along or not, it's still a family. Um, I just needed to get out of it. I, I you know, I, I, I just needed to get out of it. It just was tearing me apart in the long run. That's a hard thing to do to end a relationship, any relationship. It was very hard. But I knew I needed to get out. How did you end it? He wasn't in town, and I just simply said, look, this isn't working for me. And he's like, why not? And I told him, I blamed it on my mom. I said, look, I know my mom knows about you, but she would be really, really um, devastated if she found out we were actually having a relationship and being intimate together and, you know, the feelings. And I don't want to disappoint my mom. And he said a few words, and that was about it. But, you know... It is what it is. We ended it, and we didn't talk for a long time again. We started talking again in 2009. Um, I went to the Miss on one of the pageants in Vegas with a f- girlfriend of mine. We weren't together, but we, we talked a lot. We went to his room and just chit He invited you to the pageant? He did. He got us a room at the Trump Hotel in Vegas, a suite, really nice one. And 
You know, there were no intimate relations. I had a boyfriend at the time, so there was nothing like that at all. And then we stayed in contact for a little bit, and then we lost contact. Up next, I asked Karen McDougal about whether she ever thought about rekindling the relationship. I also asked her about what happened when Donald Trump announced his candidacy, how at first she says she didn't want her story to come out, and then something changed. Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes analyst Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Report's The Full 48. For me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of like, all I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The Full 48 is now available on Spotify. And of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Karen McDougal says she and Donald Trump had an affair for 10 months, an affair, she says, that began while he was married to Melania Trump and their son Barron was just a few months old. McDougal told me she felt guilty and that she was the one to end the relationship. Again, the White House has called allegations of an affair, quote, totally untrue. Ms. McDougal stands by her story. More now of our exclusive interview. Did you ever think about rekindling the relationship? Not while he's married, no. Yeah, of course I did. I had feelings for the guy, but not while I could. No, not while he was married. I, at that point in time, I, w- I would never do that again. No. You didn't speak. I mean, you, you told friends as anybody would tell friends about a, a relationship. Sure. But you, you didn't at any point during this time, 2006, 2007, 2008, try to reach out. Or did you? Did you at any point after the relationship ended think about telling your story publicly, telling about the relationship. 2007, 2008? No, in fact, I had media contacted me in 2011. I, I, for the life of me, couldn't figure out who who would leak something like this. I'm I'm asking all my friends. I even called him. I'm like, did you tell anybody? Like, are you leaking this information? He's like, no, don't worry about it. I didn't do it. So we didn't worry about it. But I actually had a manager at the time. Uh, I had this a couple um, journalists following me. And they would not leave me alone. So I had an old manager at the time write them letters saying, you know, she did not have an affair, uh, relationship, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. So I denied everything. I didn't want it out. So you actually put out a denial to this I did. in 2011? I did. Not, did they print that denial? I don't know. But I'm just saying my manager at the time emailed this one reporter that wouldn't give up. Uh, you guys are persistent. <laughs> um, she wouldn't give up, so he had to g- give her this letter and basically say, "Leave Karen alone at this point. Like you're done. Leave her alone." So, I mean, some people would have considered telling their story. That never crossed your mind. No. When you have a when you have feelings in a relationship and you cared about somebody, why would you want to destroy their life any more than y- you might have already destroyed their life? So, at what point did? I mean, obviously, Donald Trump announces for president he's going to run. He gets the Republican nomination. At what point does this start to come back? Or this this become suddenly in the forefront for you again? I was watching the Republican debate with a friend named Johnny. He's one of my good friends from many years ago. Um, he said, you know the story is a big story. And I said, no way. It's not going to happen. I go, you know where I stand on this, Johnny. I will never say anything. We dropped it. Your friend Johnny was saying this story, meaning the the story of your relationship. with Right. 
Of course, your, your alleged relationship with Donald Trump. Right, and of course, Johnny's a Democrat, and I, but I'm a Republican. So you're a Republican. I am, and I voted for Donald. Yes, I did. There you have it. Um, yes, diehard Republican. Um, so we dropped it, but then later on, maybe a week or two later, an ex friend or an old friend of mine started on social media talking about my relationship, and she was part of that. She she knows everything. Um, she had starting started putting it out there, so it was being seen. So I came to Johnny one day, and I said, Johnny look what she's doing. I said, do I need to worry about this? And he's like, absolutely you do. He said, you need to get ahead of the story now before everyone else takes your story and manipulates it any way they want to manipulate it and make it this very ugly thing. You need to control your story and you need to tell your truth. And I said, yes, you're right. So that's what we decided to do. And that's where Johnny one day comes um, comes over and he's like, you know, uh, our mutual friend that we have, um, found found this guy named Keith, and he's going to help you share your story. Keith Davidson. Yes, correct. An attorney. Yes, correct. An attorney who also was an attorney for Stormy Daniels. I didn't know that. Yes. And others in in this business. Clearly. <laughs> so what did what did you do then? You contacted Davidson. I didn't. Johnny did. Johnny and the mutual friend contacted Davidson. Uh, within a matter of a couple of days, Keith came out and. We all had lunch together, and he wanted to know details. So we sat down at lunch for a couple hours. I gave him details, and Keith is like, you know, this, this story is worth many, many millions. And I'm like, hmm, okay. So we, we, we talked about it, and that's when Keith um, brought it to AMI. So did you know that Keith, your attorney, was going to go to AMI, which is the parent company which owns National Enquirer and other magazines? He said AMI. I didn't know what AMI was, to be honest. He said AMI. We have this company that, you know, they'll they'll probably want to hear your story. So. And what was the thought of selling the story in your mind? To get my truth out there. Um, I I wasn't looking for money clearly, but when he said it's worth many millions, I'm like, you know. That was something that was hard to pass up. Sure, of course. But if you fast forward. <laughs> I ended up not wanting to do that deal, so we were going to go to ABC and tell the story just to get the story out there, and for nothing, there was no pay. Did Keith have a meeting with AMI? Did you have a meeting with AMI? We did. We had a meeting with AMI. You told them your story. We told them the story. They actually didn't think um, it was very credible, even though off the record they said, Dylan, Dylan believes your story. but. Clearly, when they came back, they said it wasn't believable. I'm like, Dylan believe being? Dylan Howard. He's uh, with AMI. Okay. Um, so they had like a 12-hour window to, I know I'm probably skipping around. I'm sorry. They had a 12-hour window to accept whether they wanted the story or not, and they didn't want the story. Did, at the time, had they off named a price of what they might be willing to pay? Or had Keith just said? Keith had just, just thrown out numbers, millions. yeah. Keith had just thrown out numbers. Mm-hmm. Many millions, not just millions, many millions. So when they turned it down, I said, okay, that's fine. But I, you know, I still have to get in front of the, the story because it's still getting put out there. So we went to ABC. They were very interested in the story. Uh, they knew everything. They know everything. And I just got cold feet. I said, I can't do this. You actually met with people from ABC News? Yes, we met with people from ABC News. Um, they were very interested in the story. Um, when it came down to it, I just got cold feet. I, I didn't want the story coming out of my mouth. 
I didn't want anyone to know what I had done. I didn't want anyone to know, you know, from his side what he had done. I wanted to keep it a very private matter because it was very private between us at the time. Did you still feel a sense of loyalty to Absolutely. Donald Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, of course I did. I don't want to hurt him or anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Then, then what happened? You decide not to go ahead with ABC. I decide not to go with ABC. I told them, you know, I got cold feet. I, my mother wouldn't be happy with me for sharing the story. Um, again, I always put my mom in the mix. But I just backed out. I just backed out. Well, then the Republican, he won the Republican nomination, and AMI was interested in the story again. Once Donald Trump won the Republican nomination, right, correct. you're saying AMI suddenly came back to you with interest well, in the story? Well, to Keith, yes, to us for the story, yeah. Why do you think it was that it was after Donald Trump was the Republican nominee that they came back? They wanted to squash the story. You're saying they wanted to protect Donald Trump? I'm assuming so, yeah. But the offer which we didn't discuss yet or haven't discussed was, you know, they had offered me a big, you know, contract for, for work, for modeling and fitness and things like that. My, my life has always been health and fitness, so... They said they were going to have you be a columnist. You would write columns about health and fitness. Correct. They said I'd write columns. I would get uh, one, col- uh, one article per month in OK Magazine, one article per month in Star Magazine for two years, and then four columns per month on Radar Online for two years. On top of that, two magazine covers. And their reasoning was like, you know, you've been a successful model, fitness, et cetera. Uh, we want to help you continue, and we actually want to rebrand you. And, you know, you, you know, you're older now, so we want to jumpstart into a new career for you and really get you out there to work. And I'm like, this is perfect. Like, who doesn't, what model wouldn't want that, especially as an older model like you're like oh this is great right um so yeah but then the side deal was oh we're squashing the story okay it's a win-win for me like i get the work and my story doesn't have to come out did you know that they were buying the life rights to your story i did i i knew i could never talk about him sure so that was for you this this wasn't a non-disclosure agreement to you this was a great business opportunity. You're going to get paid. You're going to be able to have write columns. You're going to kind of launch a new aspect of your career. You're going to get the cover of some magazines. Uh, and on top of it, you're going to sell them your story, but they're not going to publish it. And therefore, Correct. there's not going to be any ramifications Correct. for the story getting out. Absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't want to get this work? And then that work could lead to other work or to other work. Who knows where it could lead? Of course I was excited. So in, in essence, you were happy to have the story killed. Yeah, of course. Like I said, I never wanted to come forward. And you were going to get $150,000 for it, for having it killed and launching potentially a new career. Well, more importantly, I looked at it as I was doing work, the, the columns, the covers, and I'm getting paid for that. Oh, and my life story is like never has to be shared. It was more about the way it was presented. It was more about protecting me. It was more about we don't want to tarnish your image. We want to keep your brand wholesome and whole. So I'm like, that's awesome. You know, that's great. So that's the way I perceive this contract. It was a win-win, like I said. Had you ever heard the term at that point, catch and kill? No, I had not. Mm. Do you know what catch and kill is now? I do now. <laughs> yeah. 
I do now. What's your understanding of a catch and kill is? Catch us, from what I'm learning, a catch and kill is somebody for, like, say, for yourself, for example, taking a story about somebody you like or care about or have a friendship about, and they squash a story so it doesn't hurt you. So hurt them. the allegation, AMI, which says they don't do catch and kill, uh, but a number of former employees of AMI have told the New Yorker that it's it, routinely they have done catch and kill. They have purchased the rights to a story, done sure. an interview, in your case, with you, get your story about Donald Trump, but then they never publish it. And right. they own the rights to it, and you can't tell it to anybody else. So the story is effectively killed as a favor to, in this case, Donald Trump. Right. Did you know that that's what was going on? That's the allegation of what was going on here. Did you, did you realize that at the time? I knew the story wasn't going to be printed. Yeah. Why do you think they squashed the story? Back then or now? Now. Um, they, they, they didn't want to hurt him. You think it's because of a personal relationship with the guy who runs AMI, is friends with Donald Trump? Correct. Do you think... I mean, you wouldn't know this, but do you think Donald Trump would have been aware of, of, this, of this deal? That they were doing him, that they were allegedly doing him this favor? I wouldn't know. Um, but based on what I'm learning, as we're all learning together as we read, and one of the big complaints with why I think my contract is illegal is because his attorney was talking to my attorney, so... Michael Co- You're saying Donald Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen... Correct. ...was talking Speaking to with Keith Davidson, Keith, your Keith, attorney. Um, without me even knowing, without my knowledge, uh, I would assume that maybe he knew. I know his attorney did. I can't say that he knew, but his attorney... How did. do you know that Michael Cohen and your attorney, Keith Davidson, were in communication? I didn't know. I'm just learning this as you're learning this. Um, it's been reported, and my attorneys, they know. And to you, the idea that Michael Cohen would be in communication with your attorney at the time, theoretically, there would be no reason for Michael Cohen to be having communication with your attorney because this was a deal between Keith Davidson, you, and AMI. AMI. Right. So why was he involved in my deal? And why wasn't I told that he was involved in my deal? That's not fair, and it's, quite frankly, illegal. The it's AM- wrong. How quickly was the AMA- AMI deal done? Once we agreed upon the jobs, the financial payment, things like that, um, it was done very quickly in a matter of a day or two. Basically, I was going out of town, and I said, I'll get back to you in a week. When I get back into town, they said, the deal really needs to be done now. I'm like, okay. So I think it was done within that night or the next day. How, do you remember what, what day this was or what, when this was in the presidential race? It was in August. I signed the deal August 6th, so it was probably August 5th or 4th that, I, that I, we you know, finalized and then signed on the 6th. But I can't tell you. I don't remember where the race was. So, so. this is in the last month or two yeah. of the presidential mm-hmm. race. Mm-hmm. Do you think the presidential race had anything to do with this deal getting done? When I'm looking back at it now, possibly, yeah. How so? Well, as an American citizen, we know that if you don't put all your 
evidence out, so to speak, that you know, or if you're paying to squash stories, or if you're given illegal campaign funds, we know it's illegal. So I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm new at this. I'm learning. You all probably know this, but I'm learning this stuff. And Would it have been potentially damaging if your story had come out in the last month or two of the presidential campaign? You know, I don't know how damaging it would have been. You've seen the other stories about him. It didn't hurt him. So could it have been damaging politically speaking? Probably not. However, I think it could have damaged maybe family. I don't know. But, I mean, it depends on who you ask. It, It definitely could have damaged. I don't know. I mean, with that illegal campaign fund, I think that definitely would have damaged. But the the rumor of, you know, somebody's rumor or someone saying you had an affair or a relationship, does that really damage people? The 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 thought though of telling your story to AMI, some people hearing that are going to think a you wanted money and b you wanted to damage the president. I voted for the president. I voted for Donald. Why would I want to damage him? That's my party, Republican Party. That's my president. I did not want to damage him or hurt him in any way, shape, or form. But I also didn't want to put out the story because I didn't want my reputation to be damaged. I care about myself as much as I care about anyone else's reputation or personal life. Um, but like I said, I was more excited about this modeling contract, this this big deal of writing for these magazines, and who knows where that kind of went. You know, I love fitness, I love health, and that's where my focus was. Had when you first went to AMI and Keith Davidson was telling you, oh, they're going to pay millions for your story, had they said, okay, yeah, we're going to run this story and we're going to pay you $2 million, would you have gone with that? Would you have done that? Probably not. Really? I mean, it's hard to say, but probably not. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but you also have your conscience. Um, Like I said, I'm a different girl today. I've, you know, returned to my roots of my faith and spirituality. I'm going to church. I'm involved in ministry. Um, it's not where I'd want that to go, you know. If Donald Trump hadn't been running for president, do you believe this deal would have been made with AMI, knowing what you know now? Probably not. No. Probably not. You're pretty convinced. You're convinced now. This was an effort to do a favor for Donald Trump in the last <clears throat> few months of the presidential race. Unfortunately, yes. When you heard the Access Hollywood tape come out, just on a personal level, I'm wondering what you felt. You know what? I was disgusted. More of her answer to that question next. Also, she talks about the legal consequences she could face for speaking out and how she feels about that possibility when our exclusive conversation continues. Are you ready to learn how to build a better consulting or professional services company? Then download the Liston.io show for the best sales and marketing advice so you can deliver your services to the people who need you the most. On the show, I'll be interviewing the smartest people in the industry to share what they know about building a better consulting business. I'll also give you episodes where I tell you specifically how to sell your services with confidence and how to transform into an influential leader in your industry. Your happy clients probably want to help you. It's too hard for them right now. You're asking them to do too much of the selling that you should be doing. Yeah, it's going to move. It's going to change. It's going to disrupt you at some point in time. Your most loyal clients are your most profitable. Ready to learn how other people are building the consulting company you've always wanted? Download the Liston.io show spelled L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O wherever you get your podcasts.
Before you go, we wanted to let you know that we just launched the ability for anyone to advertise on CNN Podcasts. You're just a few clicks away from reaching millions of people in a way that you never have before. Advertise for a business event or kick off an awareness campaign for your brand. Start today at purewinning.com slash CNN. Integrating podcasts into your marketing mix has never been easier. Go to purewinning.com slash CNN to get started.